Welcome to Bear Books for the love of indie. We're here to highlight and amplify self-published authors. In this episode, April has read and is reviewing Double Identity by Alice and Morton. It's the start of a series and it's one that she absolutely loves and she will be waxing lyrical. We won't be able to shut her up for about the next half an hour. I'll be reviewing The Headmistress by Melina McKay, but I will be doing it on the 19th of November. So you will have to come back to hear about that. But what it will do is give you a month to get it read so that when we do the review on the podcast, you can give us your opinion, whether you agree or disagree with everything I will be saying. But in the meantime, over to April. Can I just ask that book that you're reading then, can you, can, is it worth reading? Well, I've read 35% at this exact moment in time when we are recording this episode. I won't tell you the storyline as such, but each chapter that I've read so far starts off with a little bit of a backflash to the main character and her love interest three months ago. And those bits can be a little bit raunchy in places. And then we move on to the main body of the story. So each little chapter gives you a little bit more of an insight. So as you read, you're learning a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more about the past. And it's really interesting. I'm enjoying it, I have to say. Okay. So I'm, I might have a... I'm, well, in fact, no, there's no my time. Well, I'll have a go at reading that um, and just, just see what it's like. But this book, blimey, I was completely and utterly just engrossed in this book. Ooh, fantastic. I am loving the way that this is going because between you and me, dearest listener... I have had so many messages from April over the past few weeks telling me how much she loves this book and how brilliant it is. And, oh, my God, this is so good that she just wants to read every single thing this author writes. So I'm expecting great things from this review. Let's hear it, please. Well, where to start? I was intrigued by the jacket write-up of the book, very interesting hook and a subject matter that I actually like reading about. I was a little bit dubious though, was the central character going to be a bit soppy with no substance after all she had just lost her fiancé to murder? The answer is a resounding no. Melisande, the central character, had grit, determination, nerves of steel and was not afraid of any situation nor getting involved in anything she needed to do. I loved her character, the strong will that she showed in all her dealings with the other characters in the book. The story follows Mel and Detective McCracken, Jeff McCracken's quest to find the murder of Gerard, Mel's fiance. The relationship between the two characters initially is one of mistrust, McCracken actually believing that Mel was the murderer. But gradually, as the book progresses, Jeff begins to trust Mel more and more, though she does have to earn that trust, even going so far as have to saving Jeff's life to gain it 100%. I didn't have a favourite part of the book. I absolutely loved it all. I have got to say, though, that I did have an inkling around 60% of the way through the book who the villain of the piece was. The author does give a few cryptic clues, whether that's intentional or not, and if you piece all this information together, it does actually point towards one person. The book, though, kept me glued to it. An absolute page-turner. I read the whole thing in two days and I didn't do anything else for those two days, I must admit. 
There were a couple of places in the book where I had to go back and reread as I thought it was a bit of a continuity issue. But on the second read, I could follow it through. So it was a little bit about understanding the way that the author wrote. The author's portrayal of all the characters was spot on and very, very clever. They were all brought together at the end of the book to reach a conclusion. Each character that was in the book was relevant to the plot and relevant to the story. If I had to give the book a mark out of five, it would be 4.99. I am highly recommending a read of it and will go so far as to say that of all of the books I have read for the podcast, this one is definitely at the top of my favourite five. So much so that I have already purchased the second book in the series that was released on the 19th of October. Interesting. I could have gone on and on and on. I'm surprised you didn't. I know. I mean, the whole book itself was just brilliant. It had me stuck right from the start like I said like I said on the review I did think oh it's somebody whose fiance has been murdered is she going to be a bit foppy and soppy and weepy and waily and but no blimey she's action character stops at nothing right so that's Mel that's your main yes the prime suspect as well as your main character yeah that's that's Mel who initially is the prime suspect yes right I'm going to do a I am going to do a reading and, and it might be that if I do the reading and actually what I'm going to do is read the first part of the book. So this is the book opening. Right. OK, well, I'll tell you what, then do the reading and then we'll have a chat about it after that, when I've got the full extent of everything that you're about to give us. Right. OK. OK. Mel shivered. A cold breeze drifted over her bare backside. Dear, the window must be open. Stupid in late November in London, but windows had been the last thing on Mel's mind last night. Still drugged with sleep, she stretched out her hand towards Gerard's face. His eyes were closed, the lashes resting on his pale cheeks. Too much time indoors, Mel thought and smiled. In his early morning relaxed state, Gerard looked more like a boy of 17 than a man of 37. Her eyelids were so heavy, she closed them. After a few seconds, she realised she wasn't tired, just thick-headed. Opening her eyes again, she blinked hard, then tugged on the duvet to cover them both against the fresh air. But it was trapped under Gerard's body. Never mind, she could think of a more pleasurable way to warm up than hiding under the bedclothes. She stroked his skin with the tips of her fingers sliding over the fine brown hairs on his shoulder, then down his chest and over his stomach towards. He didn't stir. He was cold stone cold no then the smell hit her she sat up the world spun around her she shot her hand out onto the mattress to steady herself then knelt beside him not wanting to but knowing she had to she stretched out her hand two fingers close together for the side of his throat nothing she pressed harder desperate for a sign but he was too still and too pale and the blue lips Dear, no, not her Gerard. Not clever, witty, vibrant Gerard. He couldn't be gone. But she'd confirmed enough dead bodies in her military life the last only three weeks ago in a blazing desert wadi in Africa. She sat back, shivered and pressed the palms of her hands into her eye sockets. The sourness ran up her gullet. Clamping her hand over her mouth, she stumbled to the bathroom and threw up in the pan. 
Ambulance, she must call an ambulance. She sat on the toilet seat and gulped down water from the plastic tooth mug. In the bedroom, the green-uniformed man and woman were examining Gerard. Through the gap of the almost closed door, Mel could hear them mumbling to each other. After a few minutes, they stopped talking. They were making a call, giving the hotel name. The woman came into the bathroom. Her calm face didn't seem as sympathetic as it had been earlier. What is it? Mel asked. We've had to call the police. We've found something and there are marks on the deceased's body. What? Let me see, Mel said and leapt up. The woman held out her plastic-gloved hand. No, stay here and don't wash. The police will want to talk to you. actually sounds really interesting I love the fact that you're kicking off with a dead body and suspicion and it's oh yes what a good start to a book I'm liking that it is brilliant I mean she does get taken to the police station and has to put on one of these white suits she looks like she's plumbing through a nuclear reactor and her dead fiance's sister Amy works at the French embassy yeah so a dead fiance's sister hires her a lawyer and this lawyer, well, he's just completely and utterly out of his depth. He says to Mel, you know, you need to find yourself somebody else because this is just far too much for me. She's been questioned and detained on suspicion of murdering her, uh, murdering Gerard, her, her fiancé. Yeah. So where is it set then? They're in London to begin with. But as you're moving through, it moves through to France, it moves through to Brussels, and then it moves back to England. So the book is set in three separate countries. Wow. What you've got to understand is that, that Mel, the, the central character, after the, the death of her fiancé, she'd actually retired from the French army. She goes back home to her, her, her parents. Now, her father is French, but her mum was an English model. They live in France, so she was brought up speaking both French and English, so she's as fluent as, uh, in those languages. And she applies to go back into the army. And that's when the book gets really, really up a notch, when she applies to go back into the army. But what happens is she's accepted back into the army, but then she gets a letter, and it's sending her off to a organisation in Belgium to look into the murder of Gerard because it has bigger implications. They think it's got international implications. And her record, her, her army record, is marked as if she's had a dishonourable exit from the army. So they're tasking the dead man's girlfriend with investigating his murder after she was a prime suspect? Yes. Wow, that's not weird at all, is it? It's a, it is a little bit weird, but what she has to do is work with Jeff McCracken. So he's promoted from a sergeant to an inspector, and she has to work with Jeff McCracken to investigate who murdered her fiancé. Why? Why does she have to work with... And is he English or French? He's English. He's English. Yeah. So she's working with this English detective to solve the murder of her boyfriend. Yes. And she's left the army to do this. Or the army has put her on a secondment. Yeah, the army have, have, have seconded her to. But what they've done is they've put something on a record that anybody that's digging into her army record thinks that she's had some, I won't use the word dishonourable discharge, but that they've not accepted her back into the army. Right, OK. That bit's a little bit confusing for me as I haven't read it. 
but I'm sure if I did, it would make perfect sense. It absolutely would make perfect sense for you. You've got to kind of read the book and, and follow it through to be able to understand all the different components of it. But it builds as you're going throughout the book into yeah. something that it's it's absolutely amazing. I can't express really just exactly how much I absolutely enjoyed this book. Okay, so in your review then, you said that every character in this story has a part to play and at the end everybody's part is revealed for what happens and it and it builds until you've got the full story so my question there is are there any superfluous characters any padding characters any red herrings are there any characters that are there to put you off the scent no <laughs> no there's no padding and that's what i liked about it every person that's that's mentioned in this book yeah is pivotal to the story so no red herrings either no red herrings no nothing no wow okay so you pretty much know from the off that it's going to be one of these people so i take it the murderer is prevalent throughout the story but you just don't know it's the murderer or is that not the case this is where it becomes a little bit complex okay so you have to read it but if you bear with me, just for two seconds, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to search through the book and I'll find the bit where you realise at the very end what's happened. So right at the very end of the book, and I'm going to leave a name out, she gets a letter from Patrick... Ste Mel. Mel gets a letter, yeah, from Patrick Stevenson. Now, Patrick Stevenson worked for the ERIS in Belgium, and the letter says, I hope that by the time Jeff hands you this note, now Jeff is Jeff McCracken, the inspector, you will recovered from your recent exertions. We've uncovered the major aspects of the case and detained the main personalities, but I must confess that we have made no significant progress in discovering how Gerard Rolbert died. Oh. So at the end of the book, you still don't know exactly how he died. Okay. So you don't know how he died, but do you know who killed him? Don't tell me, obviously, but do you know? No. They've got a theory about what happened. Right. So basically, they were both sedated, and they believe that her fiancé was killed by somebody injecting a large air embolism into his heart. Yeah. Now, they know why he was killed, but they don't know who did it. So that explains at the beginning when she wakes up heavy-headed because she'd been injected yeah. with some sort of sedative yeah. then, rather than just waking up normally. Do you know who the double identity is? Yes. So you do get that at the end of the book? Absolutely get that at the end of the book. Do you get enough answers to keep you satisfied or do you have to read the next book because she doesn't give you enough? No, I don't think you do because what what actually happens is as the story in the book builds, this death of Gerard becomes really secondary to absolutely everything that's going on. Right. So we start with the murder to hook you in, but that's not the main part of the story? The, the delving into how he died and who killed him uncovers an awful lot of other stuff. Is Gerard part of the army the same as Mel? Not at all. He is a financial trader. Oh, okay, okay. 
And does that have anything to do with why he was murdered? Absolutely. Fair enough. Okay. Are the French characters that are in the book, are they difficult to pronounce? How many did you have to look up or ask Alexa to pronounce it for you? (laughs) A couple. My Alexa's never had so much fun. I'm asking her all kinds of things since we started doing this podcast. (laughs) What does this mean? What does that mean? How do you pronounce this? I mean, some of the narrative and some of the dialogue is actually in French. Okay. Not lots of it, but little bits of it, just to make it realistic. So it absolutely, it doesn't detract from the story. It absolutely adds to the story. Do you have to go and find out what they all mean then? No, not at all, because it's just the names of things. Oh, right, okay. I've never seen you so excited about a book in four seasons of this podcast. This is the first one that's really gripped you so that you just can't say enough about it. I could talk about it all night. Please don't. No, I'll try not to. But the way it's written, it's very, very well written. It's it's easy to follow, but it's taxing on the brain as well. So it isn't a book that you can mind normally just read and then put down and forget. It's not that kind of book. That's good. It's a book where, where you have to, to be in the story. And I definitely was in the story. So Double Identity, then, is the title of the book. Is it that there are two characters all the way through the book and you eventually realise that those two characters are the same person? Or is it someone that is pretending to be somebody else, but they're actually somebody different altogether? No, they're not pretending to be somebody else, but they're living a little bit of a double life. Okay. So that's where your double identity comes in. And do we know both sides of this life? Not until nearly the end of the book. Okay. So I'm not looking for two characters trying to link them up then? No, you're not. No. So is she in the army or is she a detective? She's in the army. Why is she taking on detective jobs? Because she was seconded across from the army to this, to the EIRS in Belgium. And she took that secondment to try and find the killer of her fiancé. In the, the first chapter, it gives you a little bit about you know, where she was and what she was doing. Yeah. It says here, she'd confirmed enough dead bodies in her military life. So that's from the first chapter. Yeah. So she wasn't, you know, private. Benjamin. In the in the army. Yeah, private yeah, private Benjamin. Blimey, do you remember that film? Obviously I do. It was the first thing that came to mind. Okay, so she's not just a fluffy army body. She's not just a fluffy army body, no. Okay, well, thank you very much. I think that is amazing. I am sure. You sure you don't want me to talk about it a bit more? No, because you'll talk about it for hours and then I'll know everything there is to know inside of that and I won't need to read it. I absolutely have got to say that I would recommend this book to anybody. I think I might have to have a read. You are tempting me, I have to say. I mean, at some point on the podcast, I will let everybody know you know, what book two is like. Not not maybe as a book review, but just as a bit of an addition to, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You are right. Perhaps I have waxed lyrical enough about this book. So what have we got coming up next time, Daisy? Well, I'm glad you asked. I absolutely adore our flash fiction episodes. It really makes me stretch my little tiny brain. So we are back on flash fiction for the next episode. The writing prompt is sparklers. Well, it would be. The next episode is out on the 5th of November. We will have a story from April 
a story from myself for you and a story from one of you. So if you are sending in submissions for any of the flash fiction stories, 500 to 1,000 words, and all you need to do is email it in to submissions at bearbooks.co.uk. And I can categorically say we absolutely love reading these, even the ones that don't make it onto the podcast. We just love reading them. Have you had any ideas of what you want to write yours about? I've got some ideas. Have you? Yeah, but the minute you mentioned sparklers there, I was just thinking about little sparklers in a martini glass. Okay, so not necessarily fireworks then? Not necessarily fireworks. I think that's most probably got to do with what I'm watching on the telly at the moment. Why? What are you watching? I'm watching a few programmes about the, the playgrounds of the rich and famous. Okay. I was watching one last night. And it was talking about the playgrounds of the rich and famous, so like Marbella, Saint-Tropez and Monaco. And I'm thinking, well, I've been to all three and I'm neither rich nor famous. Maybe infamous. <laughs> yeah, infamous, yeah. <laughs> World-renowned blagger. I'm absolutely sure, though, isn't there something else that you need to tell everybody about that's happening on the 5th of November? Well, are you ready for this? I am so excited. We have our very first fantastic, absolutely wonderful anthology of flash fiction stories written by you. You are so amazing. Thank you so much for sending in all of the flash fiction stories we've received. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for doing so and being part of the journey with us. We have put together an anthology of the best of the flash fiction stories. It will be published on the 5th of November under a hail of beautiful fireworks, as it should be. Not only do you get to read these stories at your leisure, you will also be helping us raise money for our charity of choice, Book Trust UK, Getting Children Reading. And it's something that we debated on for ages, April and I. And in the end, this is the one we decided on. So Book Trust UK, Getting Children Reading. Every single penny of profit, every single penny will be going to that charity. So every single person that goes out and buys this book, which will be every single person listening, I know, we thank you so, so much for helping us raise money for such a brilliant cause. Yeah, I can't wait for the anthology to come out to reread all the stories that we've read out on the podcast. Go and buy that book. You'll be helping a charity that helps children to read. Yes. And there will also be stories in there that you have not heard on the podcast. So you'll have a little bit of something that no one else has had. So don't we have a flash fiction episode coming up, though, next week? We've talked about that, haven't we, Sparkles? Do you know, am I getting old or something? What do you mean? Are you getting old? Yeah, I'm getting very old, aren't I? So have you written your story yet? No, I haven't. I don't even know what I'm going to write it about. I know it's called Sparklers and that intimates something to do with Bonfire Night because... It's out on the 5th of November, but that doesn't necessarily follow. I'm sure there's some way we can make it a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. So until then, then, we will see everybody two weeks today. Two weeks today. See you then. See you then. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining us. Now you've had a listen, why not pop over and join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or if you want to send in your stories, email us at submissions at bearbooks.co.uk. Bye.